This comes from Matthew chapter 7, verses 12 through 14. Hear the word of the Lord. So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. For this is the law and the prophets. Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide, and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are, are many, for the gate is narrow, and the way is hard that leads to eternal life. And those who find it are few. If you're new here with us, we are in a series of messages, I think we're about week 22 in this thing, where we've just been going verse by verse through the Sermon on the Mount. And the Sermon on the Mount is the sermon that Jesus preaches early on in his ministry to tell his followers what the kingdom of God actually is. And so he, he, he talks about how it's different from what they think it's going to be. And he invites them to follow him. And there's some really hard truths that we've looked at over the last four months or so. And so today we, we're kind of we're kind of starting to land the plane of the sermon. You know, Jesus is kind of like me. You know, he takes a, a long time to land the plane. So we got like four more weeks in landing the plane, but it's coming to a, a close here. And so what we have in, in Matthew 7, 12 is this, is, is Jesus shares uh, what, what we know as the golden rule. Okay, the golden rule, uh, it's, it's really a guiding principle of the kingdom. So if Jesus could sum up everything that he's said about the kingdom of God, it, it, would be, it would be this. This is the guiding principle, he says. For whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. So when he's saying this is the law and the prophets, the word of God to his disciples up until this point, the canon was basically the law, which is the first five books of the Bible, the prophets and the Psalms and things like that. But he basically was saying everything about the word of the God, the word of God kind of can be summed up like this. Love your neighbor as yourself. Do to them as you wish would be done to you. So, so if you want to know how grace changes you in any given situation that you're in, it's this. No matter what's happening to you in life, treat others the way you'd like to be treated. That's how Jesus changes us. This is what he's saying. That's how you know grace has grabbed you and is changing you. Whenever you're able to step into a situation and not reciprocate what's been done to you. This is how Jesus changes us. You see, the good news of Jesus doesn't just change our minds, it changes all of us. And, and sometimes we, we think that maybe Jesus has come to uh, maybe give us a better sin management plan than we had before to kind of help us along through our sin, and he has, but he's came to uproot that paradigm altogether and give us, uh, to give us new life. And, and, and um, on this principle, the entire word hangs on it. And, and that's the evidence of, of the changed life. And so that's really a principle you can take with you. And you've heard it before. In, in fact, I don't know of any world religion that doesn't believe this principle. Let me do something I've never done before. I'm going to quote some other world religions and how they have interpreted this and how they find it in their book, okay? So uh, in, in the Islam faith, and, and, and here's New, New City, what you need to know about this is there are people in this church who have come from other systems of faith. And uh, it's a beautiful thing to see that happen. And there, these systems of faith are around us every single day in your neighborhoods and, um, and, and, and in the places that you work, people believe these books and these prophets instead of Jesus, okay? So, so what my, my heart in sharing this is that we would be incredibly 
compassionate people as we share the gospel and love our neighbors. So I want to I share with you how the folks around you that have other belief systems believe exactly the same thing you do. Listen to this. Uh, from, from the Islam faith, pay, O children of Adam, as you would love to be paid and be just as you would love to have justice. Or how about in the Hindu faith? One should never do to another which one regards as injurious to his own self. This, in brief, is the rule of Dharma. Other behavior is due to selfish desires. Or how about in Buddhism? Hurt not others in the way you yourself would find hurtful. Isn't it interesting that every other system of faith basically has the same principle somewhere in their structural kind of system that they've got built? It's really interesting. But here's the difference. As I've met neighbors, you know, I think about my neighbor Raid or my neighbor Faisal um, in our neighborhood and the neighborhood we lived in before, and I've talked with them about the faith. And it's so interesting to see how quickly my, my friends want to show the, the uh, kind of the comparative analysis, all of the things that we have in common. And they could list a lot more things than you think that they could list, okay? And those in here that have come from other systems of faith will be able to tell you the same thing. But church, here's the thing that's missing. It's the power to obey. That's what's missing. And that's exactly what Jesus has come to give us. And here's our big idea for the day. Without the gospel, the golden rule is merely fool's gold. Without the gospel, the golden rule is merely fool's word. Now I get it, it's a play on words. It's kind of cute, it's kind of funny. But here's the deal. Your neighbors and friends and co-workers try to live by this rule and cannot do it because they have not the power. Now Jesus has come to give us actual power to obey. He's come to change us not just tack on another statement to live by, another law to live by. Because we can't serve our neighbors and love our neighbors when we're too busy securing our own salvation. Everyone just becomes a pawn in our own play to secure ourselves. So what I want to do with the rest of the sermon is I want to take, I want to take three points and I want to show you how the gospel empowers us to live out the golden rule. Okay, so let's dig in here. Uh, the, the first one is, is this. In the gospel, we get the gate before we get the way. So let's go back to Matthew 7, verses 13 and 14, and let's, let's look at this real quick. Let's look at the sequence that, that Jesus calls us to enter the gate and go along the way. Because basically what we're seeing in this is we're seeing a couple different gates, right? There's the, there's the, the narrow gate, and then there's the wide gate. We, we see the, the narrow path and the, the broad path, and, and we see you know the, the way that leads to destruction and the way that leads to life. We see all of these different things. And Jesus is basically saying, there's two responses to the sermon that I've just given you. And he'll go on to say that for the next three weeks. We'll look at how he kind of uh, divides it into two possible responses. So he says this in Matthew 7, 13 and 14. He says, enter by the narrow gate. For the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter it are many. For the gate is narrow and the, the way is hard that leads to life and those who find it are few. Did you notice the sequence? The sequence is this. You get the gate and then you get the way. Now in every other world belief system, every other faith structure, it's the way that leads to the gate. But in Jesus, it's the gate that leads to the way. It's completely different. It's so interesting how Jesus calls him to himself. I, I was, Megan and I were having some dinner with neighbors a few years ago. 
we just moved into the neighborhood probably a year before, and you know, I was so eager to meet neighbors that I was out checking the mail uh, one day, and our friends were walking by with their dog, and I was like, hey, how you doing? You know, I was just like ready, ready to meet people, get to know them, and they're like, hey, how's it going, you know? And we started uh, talking, and I think I invited them over for dinner maybe that week or the next week. I think they were kind of caught off guard, but they showed up, so that was cool. It was good. And so we're sitting over dinner eating some grilled chicken or something like that, and, and uh, you know, this guy's wife had come, is from an Eastern European country, and, um, and she says over dinner, you know, there's a, there's a certain forthrightness that I appreciate about Eastern Europeans, okay? I mean, they're just kind of right to it, and I appreciated that, but it caught me off guard a, a little bit, I got to admit. So she says, you know, hey, um, you know, all roads lead to heaven. I've got uh, Hindu, uh, Muslim, Buddhist, Catholics, and Protestants in my family, and it's all the same. What do you think? <laughs> First time over, 30 minutes into dinner. What do you think? And I'm like, oh my goodness. So I'm like praying, God. I'm not praying like, hey, God, give me the right answer. I'm praying like, God, please don't let them walk out right now, <laughs> you know? And so I begin to share uh, with them because she, she was asking about, you know, the, one of the core tenets of doctrine in the Christian faith is the exclusivity of Christ, that, that Jesus is the only way. John 14, 6, I'm the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Acts 4, 12, uh, there's no other name under heaven whereby which men must be saved. I'm, all these things are going through my mind, and I just kind of gently say, hey, look, I, you know, I've got, I've got friends, I've got neighbors uh, that come from other belief systems as well, but, but here's, here's the thing. That, that I begin to share with her is that in Jesus, it, it's different. And she, she had heard this before. It was nothing new. It's different because in Jesus, basically, I said, you get the gate before you get the way. You get acceptance, love. You are clean. You are spotless. You are righteous. You are justified. You are adopted. You are his before the way is ever on the table. You don't have to journey down the way trying to keep yourself on the path to get to the gate that might lead you to eternal life. It's different with Jesus. He knows the struggle, and that's why He redeems and He meets us. But here's the deal. So many times when we come to Jesus, and I'm talking about coming to Him for salvation, to, to, to be justified before Him. This kind of one-time act where we come to Him, we're converted and we follow Him. I know that there are statistics tell me that there, there are several people in here that are not yet followers of Jesus. And, and, and here's the thing, as we, as we kind of contemplate and we kick the tires of the faith, when we, when we look at what Jesus has done and, and the opportunity to follow him, I think a lot of times the way that we look at it is the way that I travel, okay? So here's how it works. I get my suitcase out before I get on the plane, right? And I pack like, y'all are going to make fun of me, like 17 pairs of shoes because you never know what you might need. And Megan packs 18, you know? Um, it's kind of true, uh, and, and so we, we, we pack our suitcase, and we get, we get to the airport, and we've got all of our stuff in there, and here's the dreaded test, right? You put the suitcase on the scale, right? And you're like, and you know, you're, you're looking at it, and it, all of a sudden, it says 56 pounds, and you're like, are you kidding me? Like, I, I waited at my house. It was fine, and, and so you have to open up your suitcase in front of everyone, 
that's in line with you, and you start kind of taking, hey, you can put that in your purse, honey. Put, that, that pair of boots, yeah, put it in your purse, or, you know, take that shirt out, and you're, you're hoping, you don't, you know, your underwear doesn't fall out in front of everyone. You know, it's kind of this embarrassing situation, and you're trying to make it work. When we come to Jesus, a lot of times that's what we're doing. We're trying to take as much of our life with us when we follow him. And Jesus says, you got to leave it all behind. you gotta, you got to die to yourself. The gate is so narrow that you can't fit anything else through it except yourself. Your own needy self. And what we realize is that that's all that God is after is us. Jesus has won the gate for us. We don't have to win it for ourselves with knocking it out of the park on our obedience. He wins it for us. Listen to Hebrews chapter 13, verses 12 through 16. Here's what the Scriptures will say. So Jesus also suffered outside the gate in order to sanctify the people through his own blood. So let's, let's pause right there. So what's this talking about? Well, around Jerusalem, there was this gate, like there would be in any city, that would protect the inhabitants of the city from what's outside. Well, the reality was is that they took Jesus, you know, out of the, out of the gate next to the temple, across the Kidron Valley, up to Calvary to be crucified. So Jesus had to suffer outside the gate. Now, the reality is this, is that all of us deserve to be outside the gate. We were the ones that were supposed to be outside of the protection and love of God. But what Jesus did is He went outside the gate to win the gate for us on the cross. So we didn't have to go outside. He went outside to win it for us. And then He brings us into the family of God. The Scriptures go on to say, Therefore let us go to him outside the camp and bear the reproach he endured. For we have no lasting city, but we seek a city that is to come. Through, through him let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God that is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. So Jesus is the one who's won the gate for us. And friends, our, our responsibility as we follow Jesus is that we're going to be made like Jesus the same way that Jesus suffered is what he's saying. Is that you're going to be called to go outside the proverbial gate of life, outside of the protection and what seems like the love of God sometimes, and you're going to suffer. And it's going to be really hard. And you're going to begin to doubt. And you're going to begin to think, is God really good? We've all had those questions. If you're part of the New City family, you've had those questions in the last two weeks as we've experienced trial. So kind of the, the two points I want to just push in here, just questions for you to ask is, have you embraced the narrow gate of Christ being your life and being your only hope? Is, 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 is the narrow gate what you're after? Is it the gate that you've entered? Or are you like me at the airport trying to bring all this junk with you? Have you embraced the narrow gate? And then for those of you that are following Jesus, in the way that you walk out your relationship with Jesus, is the gate before the way or the way, you know, before the gate? Are you trying to, are you, are you following Jesus for a, a position uh, of, of love or from a position of love? Like, what is it like for you? Because in Jesus, he's won the gate for us and we get the gate before we get the path. So that's the first thing. Jesus wins the gate for us. The second thing is this. In the gospel, the gate is narrow, but the kingdom is so expansive. 
you know, I was, I was talking with some, some folks this week, and they were talking about how um, one of their kids was starting uh, to, to date someone. They were in, in college or after college, and, and, and they made the comment, like much like the comment I've made before, you know, he's, he's walking the straight and narrow. It's good. You know, and isn't it funny, the grand paradox of parenting, though? Like, it's like, man, I wish that my kids would walk this path that I never walked. You know what I mean? You want it for them, but you're like, man, that wasn't really even true of me. And we use that expression a lot. He walks the straight and narrow. And what do we mean by that? We mean that, you know, he's, he's, he's a moral person. He's upstanding in his community. People don't see, you know, they don't, they don't have complaints about his character. He walks the straight and narrow. And, 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 and the thing for us is this, that Jesus has won the gate for us, and the gate really has to do with how we enter into this relationship with God. Now, it's not, it's not, it's not big enough for anything other uh, than ourselves. L- listen to how Jesus describes himself as the gate in John chapter 10. John 10 is about... Uh, these kind of these I am statements that Jesus makes about who he is, things that we can cling on to. One of the things that he says is that, that he's the gate and he's the good shepherd. So let's look at John 10 and kind of look at this right now. John 10, uh, 7 through 16 says this. So Jesus, he said to them, truly I say to you, I'm the door of the sheep. I'm the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers. But the sheep didn't listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and go in and out and find pasture. The thief, on the other hand, comes to, to steal and to kill and to destroy. And, but I have come that they may have life and, and have it abundantly. I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who has a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and he leaves and the sheep and they flee. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. And he flees because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I'm the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. Do you see that? He's calling us to think about the mission of God. He has other sheep that are not in the fold. I must bring them also and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. So let me just quickly... See how I see this playing into this whole straight and narrow Jesus is the gate approach here. You know, in this time, a shepherd, Jesus is calling himself the good shepherd and the door uh, to the flock. In this time, you know, typically if they were out in the countryside, there'd be maybe some rocks to make kind of a sheep pen. Uh, or, or maybe there would be a cave with, a, with an entrance into the cave. And, and what the shepherd would actually do is that he would get all the sheep in for the night or for the day, whenever they were, they were coming into the, the fold, the flock was coming in. And he would literally lay down at the gate of the cave or the, the, the mouth of the, you know, the, the, the rocks that are kind of making the sheep pen. He would lay down. And, and, and the reason why he would lay down, it, it, was kind of like, it was kind of like the approach that we take sometimes. Hey, you want to get to him, you got to get through me, bro. You know, he, he did this for two reasons. To, to protect the sheep. From, from enemies coming in, right? They would have to come through the door of the, of the you know, the, the pen there and to protect the sheep from getting out, from escaping because he knew uh, how, how disastrous they could make their own lives. And, you know, he says, all who came before me are thieves and robbers. And, and, and the reality is, is that they're thieves and robbers of God's glory. 
that any other thing that we trust other than Jesus ultimately has a self-interest in mind. And when the, when the enemy comes, and the enemy does come because he hates the glory of God, he hates that you follow Jesus, he's one of the reasons that it's so hard to follow Jesus. When he comes, all of those other idols that we follow, they scatter because they cannot stand up to the enemy. Only Jesus can. And the reason that Jesus can is because he's the one that suffered. He's the one that went outside the gate for us. Jesus came that we would have abundant life. I mean, think about that. Abundant life, when I think about it, is life that's overflowing. It's, it's not this circumstantial kind of life that, that, we, that we have and, and we, we desire, but it's this kind of non-circumstantial joy in life that God gives us because nothing can take it away because he's won the gate for us. And, he, and, he, and the proof of love with this is that he lays down his life. He's the one that sacrifices so that we can have life. And then he says, kind of right at the end, that the fold isn't full yet. That, that for us, he is winning more sheep to his fold. And that's the mission of God that we see. We proclaim the gospel. We share the gospel. We give the gospel. We tell people that he's the only way. Not in this abrasive way, but this inviting way that we get to this place in life and we want to give up and we want to throw in the towel, right? And we see that Jesus is the only way. Now, when you look at the, kind of the narrow gate, when you look at the narrow gate from the outside looking in, it looks incredibly narrow. And this is why Christians, uh, you know, or even in a, like a, in a political realm, evangelicals, if you want to ca call them that, um, are seem, they seem to be so narrow because they have this, this way that they live. And, and, and we can find much of it in the Bible, right? Much of it. Some of it not in there. It's kind of tacked on extra. Um, and it seems to be so intolerant. And, and that, that sometimes is a roadblock as we share life with people, isn't it? It's like we can't get past this because Jesus calls us to live this way, yet we seem so intolerant to this group of people. So how do we get past this? You know what I've discovered is that as you follow Jesus and you get inside the gate that seems so narrow, and it's like so narrow, you know, I picture maybe Jesus, you know, pointing to a gate, and it'd be like one of those situations where you'd have to send a small child through to go unlock the gate for you. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, I, mean, I kind of picture that. It seems so narrow that it doesn't seem like it's possible to be the type of person that would actually love others around you. But when you get inside the gate and you receive the grace of God, you see a kingdom that is far more expansive than you could ever imagine. A kingdom, I mean, think about the life of Jesus. A kingdom that stands next, you know, to, to a lady who's been caught in some horrific sin, who's been brought up on charges in front of all of these Pharisees. To stand next, uh, you know, to a, a man that's a tax collector who's been robbing all of his friends, all of his countrymen. To stand next to him. To stand next to a person that has a disease or a plague upon their life where no one will come within reach of them. To stand next to them. Tell me who has a bigger worldview than that. Jesus was incredibly tolerant toward people who wanted to receive him. The gate is narrow. It's, it's only through Jesus. But the kingdom is expansive. And so I think the temptation for us sometimes 
is, is, is to make things narrow in life that really aren't narrow to Jesus, okay? You know, whether you're Republican or you're Democrat or, or whatever it would be. We, we make that the bottom line. And we say, well, you can't really follow God if that's you. Or on, an, on another, kind of in another realm here, I'm hitting all the hot buttons now. Uh, these aren't in my notes, so here we go. Um, you know, you want to talk about sexuality? You want to talk about sexuality? We, we make it a precondition for the grace of God to grab someone's life that they've got to change themselves first. Now, we know what the Scriptures say about sexuality. We know that God created man and woman in His image. We know that. But friends, you have people all around you that struggle with this, and sometimes we make the gate so narrow that they can't get through it. Jesus is the one that changes us. Our call is to proclaim the gospel and to love. God changes people. And, and, and I could go on to some different things that would be kind of hot-button issues, but what, what's it look like? I mean, where, where in your life right now have you choked off the gate to be so narrow that there are people that you cannot love because of the way that you see the world? Because wherever that place is for you this morning is probably the place that God wants to press in. It's probably the place that He wants to change you. Because the only way that anyone changes is by the grace of God. And if we block access to the grace of God from people that desperately need to change, how's there any hope? Jesus, Jesus is the gate. What needs to change in your life this morning and the way you relate to God and neighbor that the only thing that's restrictive about your life is your trust in the gospel for everything? What would need to change in your life? What people would need to be put back on the radar for you to love? Maybe you're thinking of a specific type of person that struggles with a specific sin. Or maybe you're thinking of a specific name. You've said, you know, there's not really any place for them in my life. I'm done with them. What would it look like for you to put them back on the table for the gospel to go forth through your life to their life that God might change them? All right, I'm getting going. Um, Thirdly, in the gospel, the way is hard, but we don't walk alone. So Jesus, you know, he talks about the gate and how it's so narrow to follow Jesus. And we've got these temptations to make the gate narrower in places than maybe Jesus has made it. And basically we've talked about how you have to be stripped of everything, your comfort, your independence, sometimes your family, as Jesus would say. And it's, it's, it's a hard sell. And so we think that like, hey, when we get on, when we get through the gate, like the hard part's over, right? <laughs> Not even close. Not even close. So we think, I'm following Jesus. You know, He's the way, the truth, and the life. Now it's going to be better as I follow Him. My life is going to get better. But then He says this really sobering truth that, that the way is hard. Like I, don't, I, I didn't look up the Greek in this, but I'm pretty sure the way is hard, okay? I mean, like it's difficult. The way is hard. And then He says something else. Only few ever find it. And, and you think about that, and you're like, man... Like, like, what do you mean? Like, do I got to, I think we look at it and we think, okay, man, maybe he's talking about like it's Mount Everest and like we just got to be like in really good shape. We got to be in a really good condition to be able to climb the mountain. Like, and if I could just get myself in that shape, then maybe I could be on the way. I don't think that's the way though. I, only if you ever find it, it's not, it's not a matter of ability. It's a matter of seeing it, right? 
finding, seeing and finding? I think the way is probably hidden in plain sight in our lives. It's the way that none of us want, though. It's the way of suffering. It's the way of pain. It's the way of embarrassment. It's the way of humiliation. It's the way, and it's right in front of us, and we think there's no way that this could lead us to eternal life. There's no way that this could be the path that God has for us. Now, I think we're, in some sense, we're all kind of closet prosperity gospel enthusiasts, okay? And what, what the prosperity gospel says is this. Once you start following Jesus, if you really have faith, then you're, you're probably going to get rich and you're not going to suffer, okay? That's, that's, that's this, this message that, that a lot of people believe. And I, if I'm honest with you, I fall into that trap far more than I realize because I get so frustrated when I suffer. I get so frustrated when I see what Jesus is talking about here and the way is hard and the path is hard to find. So here's my encouragement to you this morning. Is it really hard for you to follow Jesus this morning? Does the devil tempt you at all hours of the night to long for forbidden fruit that's not yours? Are you overwhelmed by suffering and trial this morning? Does your heart long for your family and friends to get off the broad path that's leading to destruction? Have your circumstances gone from bad to worse since you've been following Jesus? Is that you? Cheer up. You're probably on the right path. Right? This is what Jesus said it would be like. When you think about Jesus, and you think about how He drew closer to the Father as He walked with God while He was on this earth, how did people describe His life? He was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. Think about that. I mean, he doesn't sound like the fun-loving part of the party, right? I mean, he's a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. I'm not saying Jesus wasn't enjoyable to be around. I'm sure he was. But that was the way for him. And the Bible says that the way for us is much like the way for him. We have the security that he's won the gate for us, but it's still going to be really, really hard. Friends, all, all the people that I know that, that bear the marks of Jesus and seek to follow him in their life, they all walk with a limp. Bar, I mean, all of them, they all, you know what I'm talking about when I say a limp, like, like Jesus has humbled them in some way. There's been something that's happened in their life, or their family, or their health, that has, has given them a debilitating limp as they walk with God, and it's really hard to follow Jesus. You know, when I was, I was growing up in one of the houses that we had, my mom had this, you know, in the bathroom, there was this now forgive me if you own this, by the way. There's this cheesy painting, like on the wall, okay, in the bathroom. And, uh, and it was, and like I said, forgive me if this is, you own this, but um, it, was, it was like the footprints, you know what I'm talking about? Footprints poem, it's got like the, it's got the it's, so here's the scene, let me set it up for you. It's, it's a picture of the beach, everybody loves the beach, right? And, and then there's like two sets of footprints, and it says a bunch of kind of cheesy things that I thought, oh, Mom, why is this in my bathroom? My friends are seeing this when they come over. And it's, it basically says, like, hey, like, you know, you kind of thought you were alone. I was holding you the whole time. I was walking right next to you. And I, and I was thinking about this this morning, and it's like, 
That's kind of what the gospel is, though, right? I mean, it, it, it is, because just when you think you've got to the end of yourself and you think, God, I cannot walk another day with you. Just when you get to that place, Jesus reminds you of this beautiful truth, and he does it in multiple places throughout the scriptures. John chapter 14, verses 15 through 17, he says, If you love me, you'll keep my commands. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, helper, to be with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you, and he will be in you. Just when you think you've gotten to the end of everything that you can withstand, we're reminded that he's with us. The last thing that Jesus says after he gives the Great Commission, the verse that we always forget, we love the, you know, go out in all the world and make disciples, baptize, teach, all of that kind of stuff. But then we forget that he says, oh, by the way, I'm with you always to the end of the age. Like that promise is for the, the rainy and dark days of your soul when you think you can't go on. It's a promise for us. This hard, difficult, and treacherous path that uh, the gospel leads us on, that, that we wonder, God, are you even with us? Do you even hear us? Is the way. It's hard. And if you ever find it, because it doesn't seem like the way. But here's what the gospel does. It leads us to something far deeper and far broader than we had in mind for ourselves. I mean, think about this. The gospel gives us a category for the weak and the powerless. And without the gospel, we see folks who can't help themselves as dead weight. And Jesus sees incredible faith from some of these folks as they're healed and they're, they're brought to life. The gospel gives us a category for suffering, pain, and trials. I mean, without it, we live by a survival of the fittest mentality. And we say, yeah, I guess that's just what happens. And we're secretly inside hoping it doesn't happen to us. The golden rule without the gospel sounds grand, but it doesn't give you any power for the suffering, for the trial, for the temptation. It sounds great, but without the risen, resurrecting power of Jesus alive in your soul, you can't obey Him, you can't follow Him. Lastly, the Gospel gives us a category for people who are not yet believers, who are outside of the faith, the, the, the sheep that are not yet in the flock. And, and while we proclaim this message of this narrow gate, we have this love that's this super expansive love. Because it's the love of God living inside of us. And so where are you at today as we, as we close this up? Where are you at? I mean, how's this, how's this hitting you today? How do you experience the love of God? If you are in a place where the way is hard and the path is narrow, man, you're probably on the right path. We keep pressing on and we trust Jesus. And so I want to pray for us and then we'll, we'll go to the Lord's table together. Our Father, we, we come to you this morning and, and we... We just declare, God, we admit, we confess that the way is hard. It's far harder than we had imagined, that we had bargained for. Some of our lives feel like they've gone from good to worse. The gate seems too narrow and intolerant. We confess that we don't often reflect the love of God and we want to be changed by you. And so, Lord, would you, would you be with us today as we, as we seek to be straight and narrow people, not on our own, but through your Spirit? 
And God, may we trust you to define what straight and narrow actually is. May we trust you, God, to empower us to live out this golden rule that you've given us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.